You're listening to the Co-Creator Network. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt. Director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and I'd like to begin our proceedings here today by calling out to the helping spirits to be with us. So I call out first to your ancestral helping spirits and to my ancestral helping spirits. I call out to those who lived well and died well and bring that great legacy of all that is good and true and beautiful in our ancestral lines to us so that we the living can learn from those who have gone before us and can use these great resources, these great riches to understand what is it that we must draw forward because it is consistent. It is a deeper truth that must continue and also support us for knowing where it is that we must innovate and change and do something that has not yet been done as a way to meet the challenges of our own time. So we call out to these ancestors to be with us here today so that we are better able to meet the challenges of our time, to bring our medicine forward in a way that is good for all living things and prepares the way for those who are coming. And as we call out to these human ancestors, let us reach beyond these ancestors to those who have been here so much longer, to those non-human ancestors that are all the many other beings that shape this great web of life here, those energies that were here long before there was ever a human and will be here long after. And we call out to these ancestors in their many forms to help us to remember our own true nature to surrender in to that which makes the human being a blessing here on earth. And we call out to these non-human ancestors to help us to remember how to live, how to be here in a good way, and how to do what is our role to do in this great web of life. And we give gratitude to all of these ancestors in their many forms, and as they all begin to gather round, let us gather ourselves from wherever it is that we might be in our mind, drawing our awareness into our head, And drawing our awareness from our head to our heart. It's a nice breath in the heart. And then drawing our awareness down into our belly. Drawing ourselves deep into our body. And taking a moment, stopping all the multitasking of our day. And focusing on the single act of reaching out to the earth to give thanks. To give gratitude for your life. For all that has been in your life that has brought you to this moment. For all that is. And for all that will be. We give gratitude to the earth for the wonder of life itself, for diversity and beauty and possibility, and for the enormous generosity in the earth's dreaming that allows us to change anything as long as we are still breathing. And for this enormous gratitude to the earth, let it pour out from our heart as we move our awareness down through all the layers of the earth into the very center of the earth. Let us take us a moment here and anchor ourselves firmly there in the center of the earth and to give gratitude to those energies that draw their power from darkness and stillness, from peace, from solitude, 
that which empowers our journeys and our dreams, that energy that is before all of the great abundance that we experience here on the face of the earth. Let us reach deeply into that energy and draw it up into ourselves, into our day, into these proceedings. We call up this energy that restores, renews, replenishes, energy that nourishes. We call this energy up even as we send our energy down and gather from this a sense of who we are, where we stand, what has heart and meaning in our life, what are we willing to stand for, and to build our sense of home, our sense of belonging from that which truly matters in our heart, not simply automatic ideas that come out of what was handed to us by those who came before, but to tune in deeply to what has heart and meaning and to build our sense of home in that way. And may we open our door to those who are in need, those who think other differently than we do, and invite them to our table, that their questions and ideas and ways of thinking that are different than ours might inspire us to become the men and women that we were truly meant to be. And in this way, let us come to understand the many beings within ourselves. Let us come into right relationship in ourself, right relationship with our environment, right relationship with each other, right relationship with the invisible world. And as we settle in, let us open our awareness to that profound blessing of the oneness of all things. And may we come into right relationship with that as well. And with these ideas moving within us, let us move our awareness from our belly to our heart and our heart to our mind and send our energy up and out, out through the sky, whatever weather it holds, out through the atmosphere, out in the cosmos, connecting to these radiant energies above. The sunlight, the starlight, the beautiful moonlight we have been experiencing, reaching out to those energies that are the physical manifestation of this divine radiance. And we call this energy in, into ourselves, into our day, into these proceedings. And in this way, we call in the energy of blessing. We call down the energy of protection. We draw these energies into ourself and into our day that they might feed our commitment and our devotion. We draw in the benevolence of our universe. We call in this inspiration and this illumination, that which lights the way. We call in the beneficence of the universe that we are in. We move it into ourselves, into our day, all the way down to the center of the earth. And in this way, we bring the energies above and the energies below together within ourselves. And we let these two great legendary lovers meet within us and awaken the spirit of our own hearts. And as our hearts come alive and awake into this day, empowered by that energy that is so much larger than we are, and yet we are a part of it. May that crucible of transformation in our heart come online, drawing up the fiery passions of our belly and the crystal, drawing down the crystal clarity of our mind and let these energies come together in the heart in such a way that gives birth to that third and most sacred thing, that understanding of why you are here. Some sense, some inkling, some awareness of the gifts that you are here to bring to the world. And may you find courage in that very same human heart to do something in this day, large or small, to make those gifts manifest. And for all the spirit help that we all have to do these things, even when they feel impossible, we give enormous gratitude to the spirit world around us. 
may what needs to be said be said and what needs to be heard be heard and may these proceedings go forward in a way that is good for all living things i'd like to give thanks to julie and mikhail michelle neil sarah lorna peter ilva gabrielle nadine daniel and all the other listeners that have donated to the show for those of you that are listening for the first time, Why Shamanism Now is listener-supported as we move into our ninth year, or tenth year. <laughs> as we continue, we exist in the world only because of listeners like you who are willing to feel that which moves them in the heart and let what is mo- motivating your heart motivate your actions in the world. And they are willing to do something, large or small, to help the show to grow. And for those who are able to donate financially, we give great gratitude because you help us to keep the archives available online for people all over the world to access for free. And I'm deeply grateful for this support. I'm also grateful for those of you that have found other ways to support the show, embodying the teachings, bringing them into your journey circles, into your own practice, questioning them, wrestling with them, trying to break them to see how it is that we can all become ever more deeply Uh, committed to our expression of our shamanic skills in our contemporary lives. And so for all that you were doing to help me in this, I am deeply grateful. I am also grateful on this day for our guest, Will Tagle. Will, thank you for coming back to the show. Yeah, thank you, Christina, for having me and congratulations for this uh, service that you're providing for our beautiful blue planet for 10 years. Quite an accomplishment. Yeah, thank you, Will. So um, for those of you that don't remember or you're just joining us since the last time Will was on the show, Will walks in two dimensions. One reflects his lifelong connection with the indigenous mind-heart, and the other is his psychological and scientific research. Um, while both his doctorates concentrate on the synergy of eco-psychology and the matrix of field physics, he counts his shamanic training described in the book we'll discuss today, Walking with Bears, on bridges to Earth's new era as the most important in his life. This book completes a trilogy that includes Wild Heart and the Mother Tongue, and we have Will sharing the messages of these two books more deeply in the archives here at whyshamanismnow.com. And all of these three books address a human return to Earth-based consciousness. Will and his wife, Judith Yost, are co-founders of a 35-year-old eco-spiritual community called the Earth Tribe, which hosts many spiritual and Earth-based events. And you can learn more about Earth Tribe at earthtribe.com. And you can also connect with Will at will at earthtribe.com. And we are live today. So if you do have questions about today's topic, you are welcome to call in at 512-772-1938 or you can Skype in from the co-creatornetwork.com site or you can always email me at christina at lastmaskcenter.org and I would be happy to answer your questions. Um, So Will, again, I'm deeply grateful for you being with us here today. And starting off um, our next 10th year of shows here in 2018 with this powerful message that you bring us in your book. And before we dive into the new book, would you please just go back a little bit and just share the essence of the first two books so that we can kind of remind people what what builds up to this book. So, So what was the essence of the message in The Wild Heart? 
yes, uh, if you can imagine for just a moment that we all have an inner counsel in our interior lives that I call the Council of Selves, S-E-L-V-E-S. And we have those parts of ourselves that drive our cars, pay our bills and taxes and so on uh, that we generally call our ego. And then we have other hidden selves that are uh, usually at the edge of our awareness. And most of us have, uh, in the shamanic community, some connection with that self or that aspect, which is not under the sway and control of the dominant culture in which we live. And I call that the wild heart. That is the untamed aspect of ourselves that lives deep within our souls that leads us into different facets of our soul. And uh, so that book is about uh, sorting through the layers and the different aspects of our inner counsel that takes us to our wild heart, which is, uh, I say in the book and, and hold as a proposal, the really important player in, in a world that is increasingly wild and outside the control of human sway. Beautiful. So you all can go to whyshamanismnow.com and scroll down to Will Tagel, T-A-E-G-E-L, in the guests, and you can pull up all of Will's shows. So you can listen to this again, or better yet, go buy Wild Heart <laughs> and read it and do it. Um, and so then... We move on to the next book. And so the essence of the message in the mother tongue was? Well, actually, if you can think for a moment that uh, at the bottom of the Tower of Babel in the uh, Christian and Jewish myths, there's a basic tongue that's being spoken that I call the mother tongue. The mother tongue would be that shared informational matrix in which all creatures on the earth uh, participate uh, that humans once had access to, but through the years, through the millennia, we have lost that connection through the split in Western civilization between our natural selves and our cultural selves. And so the mother tongue is really, in a shamanic way, regaining our ability to uh, exchange information with all the spirits, all the ancestral spirits, all the non and more than human spirits. And there is a language that's spoken uh, that we can reconnect with. In fact, one of, one of our graduate students has created a school for small children uh, in which the curriculum is, is, the aim of the curriculum is literacy in the mother tongue. Mm. So in a way, that's that's uh, what shamanic work is about in, in my uh, perspective, is uh, regaining literacy in the mother tongue. Beautiful. Okay. And so then what transpired for you between that, that book, Mother Tongue, being published and the one that we're going to talk about here today? How, how did you get yourself to this book? 
that we're talking about today? Well, the uh, the wild heart is really draws on my background as an eco psychologist, where I'm talking about our interior world, and in the mother tongue, I'm really talking about the interface of our interior world with our exterior world through the medium of a field physics, that is through the fields all around us, gravitational, electromagnetic, uh, resonant, morphic fields, and so on, that uh, carry the information of the mother tongue. So after having written those two books, uh, I felt called through a series of dreams to give the background of how I, I got uh, connected with the shamanic work to begin with. And so that's what this book is about, walking bears uh, and where that leads. So do you want to talk a little bit about, about what, what is important about that, that path, um, you know, that supports ultimately the message that's in the book? So, so what is it, you know, that was important for you along that path that creates this foundation for the book? Well, um, as, a, as a child, I grew up in uh, far northwest Texas, and I had contact with Paul Tech and Nahuatl speakers and Comanche people in the little town where I grew up. And then uh, along the way, I lost contact with that wisdom, that general indigenous wisdom for a variety of reasons. And uh, uh, went to graduate school and so on and so forth. And as I was practicing psychotherapy uh, in my uh, early 30s, I began to hear from my uh, clients and patients after they felt better, uh, sorted through addictions or depression or anxiety or relationship issues. They they said to me, uh, what do we do now? And I didn't have a clue uh, until one day I, uh, it, it dawned on me that I needed to reconnect with my indigenous background. And I began a search that took many years for me to find a, a resource, a mentor that might uh, help me along the way, a shamanic worker. And uh, Eventually, I met Bearheart Williams, and we, and this book is the story of our, the intertwining of our two lives, and the birthing of the Earth Tribe as a result of that intertwining. Um. So, I got a little bit sidetracked there, listening because I was wondering. Given, given this journey that you've been on and your many, many dedicated years as a therapist, because I was trying to work the numbers in my head while you were talking, but it seems to me that you sort of came of age as a therapist back when therapists were actually trained to talk to people, right? Right. Not, not just give them drugs. Yeah, right. Right? So you actually um, – you know, understand that that process deeply, and yet come to that awareness that when it's used well, and a person is um, 
healthy or balanced or however we want to talk about that, no longer in need of those services to get to that place of balance, that culturally we offer absolutely nothing to teach a person how to live well. Well, we we, we offer very little and particularly the uh, delicatessen of offerings uh, are limited in the sense that connecting with the shamanic world through the natural order of things is is just now emerging at a time that's quite crucial because the great shuddering of Mother Earth in rebalancing herself is requiring that our spirituality and our possibility and our potential potential be manifested through our deep connections with the natural order. And so that was really the direction that I, that I took and described in the book. I, I actually was a part of a group called the American Academy of Psychotherapists. And in that group, I was really fortunate and blessed to have a connection with Carl Rogers and uh, Fritz Perls and Carl Whitaker and any number of of very wise people. This was in the late 60s and early uh, 70s. And and actually, that's I describe in the book, that's how I met Bearhart. I was uh, uh, at an American Academy of Psychotherapists conference meeting in northern New Mexico at a, I was eating breakfast one morning and the psychoanalyst who was helping coordinate that conference, uh, the conference invited local people in a variety of places. We'd been to Bar Harbor, Maine, where we had a a lobster fisherman and we'd been to um, uh, Tennessee uh, at Monteagle Mountain, uh, where we had clog dancers. And so they had engaged a, sh- a quote, shaman to come speak at lunch. And this was Bearheart. So I was eating breakfast and and the uh, coordinator of the conference uh, came up and he said, uh, look, you you know something about shamanism. And and the guy we've we've uh, asked to come talk to us at noon uh, is already here at 7.30 in the morning and he's sitting under a tree and and he's not really speaking to anybody and we don't know what to do. <laughs> and so I said, he said, would you would you go out and talk with him? And I said, sure. I, you know, I don't know what I can do, but I went out. So I went out and, and sure enough, there was this man sitting under a beautiful cottonwood tree with a large Stetson black hat with a silver um, buckle on top and and sitting there cross-legged and I sat with him a few minutes and neither one of us said anything and I said you know they're expecting you to talk at, at lunch and he's and I said are you planning to do that and he said no I'm just gonna sit here <laughs> And uh, I said, well, uh, what, what's the plan? He said, I'm just going to send out a filament of light from just under my belly button, which we call a medicine point. And I'm going to send out that filament of light that will go throughout the, 
area and it carries with it an invitation to come sit with me under this tree for whatever purpose might develop. And so it startled me to hear that kind of invitation. And about that time, uh, a man came by who was uh, going to lead a workshop with me that very morning and uh, on eco-psychology. And he said, what are you doing here, Will? We got to go lead this workshop. And I said, you know, I think I'm just going to sit here with, with my newfound friend, Bearheart. And he paused and he said, well, do you mind if I sit here? And Bearheart said, no, no, that's fine. Just, just sit there. And we sat there for a few moments. And, and my coworker said, well, now that we're sitting here, I want to tell you about something that's going on in my body. And he, he told about a particular uh, pain that he was having. And so Bearheart said, to me, he said, will you go over there in the back of my truck and get a box and bring it to me? And I said, yes. So I went over and in the back of his truck was a, was a, what was a, a, a steel a toolbox that had been painted red and with a bird plant, a painted near the handle. And sitting next to that was a bundle with an eagle feather attached to the bundle. So I brought the toolbox, what I thought was a toolbox, but when I got to the tree, he opened it up. It was his medicine chest. And he began to work with this friend of mine through a number of shamanic interventions, which I about which I was fascinated. And I was so absorbed in that I hadn't noticed, but when I looked up, there were about 15 or 20 people standing in line to work with him under the tree. And so one by one, he began to work with them. And after a person or two, he said, I think I'm gonna need some help. Will you be my medicine helper for the day? I said, well, I don't know what to do, but if you'll tell me what you want me to do, I'd be glad to do that. So I'm describing a process that many, that you, Christina, know about and that many of our listeners know about. But in 1980, this was, uh, this was strange, uh, sacred music to my ears. And by the time he'd worked with two or three people, I looked up and the line now stretched maybe 40 or 50 people so that it curved around one of the buildings. And we worked all day long. When it came noontime, I said, do you want to go in and make your speech? He said, no, I think nearly everybody's out here. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we worked. And, and keep in mind, this was, this was the creme de la creme of psychologists, psychiatrists, and, and, and scientists. And here they were, as I listened to them, talking to this, this very unusual and distinctive man about matters in their bodies, in their souls, in their minds that, 
they had not shared perhaps ever, even in therapy or any in their professional communities. And, and to see how deeply they were moved and touched at both a physical and psychological and spiritual level deeply moved me. So we worked all day long until <clears throat> late in the afternoon as the sun was going down. It was summertime, so it was late in the evening. And when the last person had gone, he looked at me and he said, we did some good today. And I said, I'd like to see you again. So he took the name tag off of my shirt and wrote down his telephone number. And that's how our relationship began. Mm. Mm, beautiful. And I want to remind listeners, you know, back in that time, no email, no internet, you know, the ability to connect with people like this was truly only through this type of encounter. It's not like you could Google them. <laughs> right? Yeah, you know? exactly. And and the books weren't published yet. I mean, it was really a very different time and magical. Okay, so through this relationship and through this education and, and many, many years, much time, it brings us to our book that we're talking about now, Walking with Bears. And and this this book is coming out at a particular time and and I believe well let me just be direct as usual you and many others that I respect as people who are in positions of trained education and application at this time in their lives are starting to get similar messages which is about you know now is really the time and and so so I wondered if you could just describe where are we like where where are we right now how how would you describe this place that we humans are in right now with our world well yes uh, so I was in my late thirties and early forties when when Bearhart and I started working together and uh, now I'm in my seventy eighth. Uh, revolution around the sun. So uh, I've covered some ground, and he and I, he and I, for years led Vision Quest. And then when he was 90 years old, he died in 2008. But over the years, I've listened to hundreds and hundreds of visions, uh, besides the ones I might have myself. But as people have come in from Vision Quests. And uh, I also have deep connection with the Hopi prophecy and the prophecy rock and, and with uh, the indigenous people. I'm a member of the uh, adopted part of the Mashika Toltecs uh, in the pyramids of Teotihuacan. So putting together all of these visions in this book, I've, uh, I've seen a, a kind of a quilt, a mosaic uh, of these visions pointing us to a bridge that takes us from uh, this fourth world, this fourth civilization that we call Western civilization into a new civilization 
that the uh, uh, the prophecies predict and point toward. And uh, so the book is actually talking about some of the skills that are needed to lead us to the bridge from this world to the next. And also uh, what characteristics we might look for in each other to, so that we would recognize each other uh, and what the Hopi call the pahana or the remnant humans who are taking us into this new era. So uh, a few of the skills, basic skills that will be very familiar to many of your, your uh, listeners. Uh, the very first skill that I'm talking about in the book is uh, learning how to sit and wait. W-A-I-T. <laughs> and that took me quite a number of years just to, to move into that. And then in, in my tradition, the number one quality of a shamanic worker besides waiting a second one is to be willing. Once when I said to a council of elders, when I was still in my formative stages, uh, what would you say is most needed in a shamanic worker? And the first response was show up, rain, snow, cold, hot, drought, hurricane, show up, be there. And be there not just in any old way, be there in a state of willingness. You don't have to be, they taught me, you don't have to believe anything. You don't have to hope anything. You don't have to even love anything. What you have to do is to be willing to be open to all of those different dimensions. And the willingness spirit will build on. And then another quality that's essential in this particular pathway is, is the ability to learn how to relinquish and that's very different from releasing in this particular pathway. Uh, releasing is the beginning of relinquishing. Once you, you're learning how to wait and once you're learning how to be willing, then you learn how to let go of these deep patterns that we have within ourselves. I, and, and, and so at the first part of the book, I say, what we're called on to do is to learn how to rethink thinking and refeel feeling so that our understanding of thinking the way we have been taught, even in many shamanic traditions, we have to relinquish and let go of. So there are, those are a few of the qualities that I'm, I'm beginning to discuss in the book, but also really re just reflect in my own uh, inner struggles. 
Are there are there in in these qualities? Are there any that you uh, see are just particularly challenging for people given all of the distraction and um, encouragement by the contemporary consumer story that people are largely immersed in? Is is there any particular skill that you think is quite challenging because we're being led down this other path by many, many factors around us. Well, yes, I I would say that the one of the places to begin is to learn, learn the rights of purification. Because what you what you just mentioned consumerism is a virus that has been even more devastating to the indigenous people than than the uh, chickenpox and other other diseases the the viral nature of consumerism requires a certain purification and if you go on some reservations today one of the things that you might notice is that often much of the deep wisdom has been lost and replaced by consumerism. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of poverty, but there's also embedded consumerism in the poverty. And so in some ways, we all need to purify ourselves of the toxic scripts and memes that course through our bodies and our minds and souls like a virus. It is a virus in many ways. And then the question becomes, how on earth do we do that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and that's a lot of, I think, what shamanic work is about, is, is developing the skills of purification. I think one of the things that I appreciate about um, what you're saying right now, but also what you've written even even more in the book, is this notion that simply being a good person, but a, an ordinary person, isn't enough. That that we are out of the goodness of our heart, we need to be willing to become skillful people. Yeah, definitely, definitely, and and developing skills. Uh, I was working with a student this morning. It's uh, very unusual here in the hill country of Texas that often this time of the year we have temperature in the seventies, but today it's struggling to get above freezing. With but that's true through much of the country, USA today, and so one. One uh, skill that I use nearly every day is very simple. And some of your people probably know about the skill of earthing, where you you walk on the earth barefooted. And I try to do that about 20 minutes every day. And uh, now today, when it was freezing, I did not do it. 
I sloughed off on it today. I gave myself the uh, gift of, of uh, avoiding. But, but yesterday, when the temperature was about 23 degrees, I did. I, I walked. And, and you know, Christina, it's amazing how the uh, energy of the earth comes up through slightly damp, cold earth and, and purifies. We think about purification through sweat lodges, which which I I really greatly uh, encourage. But this was a purification of cold coming up through the bottom of my feet and coming through different parts of my body, and I could feel the blockages. You know, where in my body is this energy that's coming deep from when in from the earth? Where is it being blocked? And so that opened up the way for me to try some other kinds of self-healing techniques and skills to open up those blockages to let this full, powerful, electric, magnetic energy move through, coming out through the top of my head. Uh, and, and, you know, that's a very simple thing. I was talking with my student today, and and she said, "Well, that's just something I haven't been doing." And and that's the way with most of us, you know. I've given myself the break today not not to not to practice this particular skill, but if I don't watch it, I'll skip tomorrow and the next day, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and and then it becomes a pattern. So I think that's where the willingness and the and the and the practice of shamanism comes in. Just practicing this very simple. I'm I'm giving one example uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. of of allowing the earth to come through us. Okay. So so where we are is where we are with this understanding that we need to gain skills, right? But where is it? that these visions and these some ancient i don't know if ancient's technically right but old prophecies and the way that the similar message keeps coming through through different people different parts like you said the quilt or the mosaic keeps revisiting us and and coming the message keeps coming through um and we 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 become better able, hopefully, to receive it, but the message is pretty consistent. So, so what is coming through? What are we being asked to do or guided to potentially do from this place that we are in at this time to this possible future? Yeah, okay, so let's imagine that you and I and Ken, the engineer, and and these multitude of people who are listening to this broadcast right now, let's, let's, let's imagine through our visions, our prayers, our meditations, our states, our altered states of consciousness, we're getting a message from, from the hidden domain. And that message is telling us to come to a bridge. And this bridge leads us across. And as we lead, as we come across the bridge, 
how do we recognize each other? It's through certain kinds of relationships. And I'm just going to describe two or three of them. The first relationship that I believe that we're being led to might be surprising to our listeners that we're we're being called to transform our relationship with water. So one of the first characteristics of the remnant of human beings who will take us to the next stage of consciousness are people who are waking up in a specific way to the unique quality and consciousness of water. We're coming out of a civilization that has built itself around a relationship with petroleum. And now we're moving into a domain where we're awakened to water. So if, if you want to be a part of the new world, I would say one of the first things to do is to find a way to be conscious about on a regular basis about your relationship with water. Now, I know in Oregon where you are, you get a lot of rain, but even there, I'm recommending that as a, as a very practical shamanic practice, at the very least, you have a uh, five-gallon bucket that you have out on your porch that you catch water. And that each day you immerse your hands in water that has come directly from the sky. And that you use that with plants. And I'll get to plants in just a moment. And just one brief example of this. Uh, for some 15 years now, Judith and I have been uh, running our household entirely from rainwater. So when we have freezing weather, it requires that I spend time uh, every day with this system of rainwater collection so that it doesn't freeze. And it requires any number of interventions on my part. And what I love about that is it puts me in direct connectivity with the water itself. And so there's an opportunity for the consciousness of that water to seep through. But even beyond that, with the wonderful water that you have in Oregon and other parts of the, of, of the world where you can begin to immerse yourself in that and then make the leap over into the world of plants. That's the second quality, shamanic quality that I would say is important as you cross the bridge into the new world. Uh, when I was growing up, uh, I had an uncle by marriage who was uh, Comanche, and he was close friends with the, the uh, one of the great shaman uh, ever in North America, uh, Quanah Parker. And Quanah Parker, as you might remember, uh, was one of the last, if not the last, 
a shaman who roamed free of Western civilization. And then he came into uh, to the reservation, not conquered, but through a series of the United States government uh, and their military actions against the Comanche, he uh, came to Fort Sill and surrendered. And he immediately uh, developed what he called the sickness of Western civilization. And so he, some of his friends took him down to the Rio Grande River where he met a female shaman, a Quindara, and she introduced him to the plant world that he had never known before. And she introduced him to the notion that the creator of the universe in this new world is embodying herself through plants first and foremost and humans secondarily. And so he formed a spiritual practice around the engagement of plants. And I have here on my uh, desk uh, some plants that I use every day to help me in my consciousness of this new world. The first thing I do is I have a layer from uh, the world, the juniper world and the cypress world uh, that includes the redwoods and the sequoia. And so I have dried plants that I have a layer. And then the next layer I have and that's for purification. And then I have a layer of sage for that I use uh, for balancing. And then I have a layer of sweet grass that draws in the good spirits or the good energy from the fields. And then I have a layer of uh, tobacco uh, that that I've gathered uh, down in the in the jungles of Mexico, and then on top of that, I have a little copal that has been given to me by my Toltec friends in uh, Teotihuacan. And so, with all of that, as I'm talking to you right now, uh, I have uh, I burn that each day at sunrise, and dedicate this new world that we're entering to humbling ourselves before the plants and taking in their good purifying and developing and uh, clarifying energy. And in that way saying, as a human being, I apologize for the attitude that I and all my human brothers and sisters have had toward the plant world. And I ask for your forgiveness. And I thank you for this forgiveness. And then I take in the smoke and I say, we're all in this circle together. And even as I'm talking to you at this moment, I'm taking my right hand and 
rubbing it in the ashes of the plants that gave their lives for this talk that I'm making right now with you. And and then I I take the ashes on my fingers and I smell and even you can use through the imagination taking in the wonderful smell of the plant world to alter consciousness at this moment to make us better people and make us worthy participants in this world that is being unfolded that we you and I, Christina, and all the people listening would know we are the ones Earth has been waiting for. We who submit ourselves to the plant world, who submit ourselves to the water world, who seek to speak the language of the mother tongue, who seek to open our hearts to that place that has not been touched by culture, but is still untamed. And we become and have the capacity to become what we are called to be, namely humble, cooperative, collaborative participants within mother herself, our earth. So I know I launched out onto quite a a sojourn there, so I'll pause now. (laughs) No, it's a beautiful um, place to sort of bring our conversation here today about it, to see that how... I guess what I'm trying to say is how easily it is when you have these humble but powerful foundational pieces, these skills you're talking about, building these relationships, when these things are real living parts of your everyday life, it, all of it, all it takes is just the thought and you move into that sacred place, into that sacred offering of inviting now, everyone who ever listens to this show has been invited in that way. The, you just open the way, right, for everyone to step onto the bridge. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I summarize some of these visions through, through uh, 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 a perspective that, that I'll, I'll tell you about, take a minute or so. This is from... Uh, This is from an 11th hour vision coming from the indigenous folk. Where are you living? What are you doing? What are your relationships? Are you in right relation? Where is your water? Do you know your garden? It is time for you to speak your truth. It is time for you to create your community. Be good to each other. Do not look outside yourself for the leader. This could be a good time that we're in. 
There is a river flowing now very fast. It is so great and swift that there are those who will be afraid. They will try to hold on to the shore. They will feel that they are torn apart and will suffer greatly. But know this, know that the river has a destination. The elders say we must let go of the shore, push off into the middle of the river. Keep your eyes open and keep your head above the waters. At this time, we are to take nothing personally, least of all ourselves. For the moment that we do, our spiritual growth and journey comes to a halt. Gather yourselves. Banish the word struggle from your attitude. All that we do now must be done in a sacred manner and in a celebration. We are the ones we've been waiting for. Cherished relatives. And in in the tribal language that I grew into, the word for cherished relative is inake. Inake. It means you are my cherished relative. Thank you, Will, for joining us today and sharing this uh, important message with all of us. For those of you that want to dive deeper into this, Will's book is called Walking with Bears. It's available on Amazon, Walking with Bears, On Bridges to Earth's New Era. And if you'd like to reach out to Will, you can connect with him at will at earthtribe.com. So thank you, Will, for being with us today. Love being with you and thank you for the good work you're doing. And thanks to all of the people listening for your good lives and, your, and the hope that you are for our good Mother Earth. So we give gratitude to the ancestors standing around us here today, those that gather in their many forms, to the earth below, the sky above, and to the heart that unites us all. Hello everyone, it is 2018 and here is what is new at Last Mass Center. So first off, the cycle of transformation does begin again in 2018 with Massive Illusion, June 3rd through 8th. We are taking uh, registration now. You can go to lastmaskcenter.org to the homepage and download the registration form there. Space is limited and we are currently about half full. The next thing is 2018 brings the beginning of new live transformational online learning here at Last Mass Center. And we will begin this year with energy body hygiene and the clearing practice um, that is so often referred to on Why Shamanism Now programs. And to get on the mailing list for these offerings, go to whyshamanismnow.com. Scroll down to the blue part on the bottom and add your name to the email list. And finally, the one live clearing intensive that will be offered this year will be offered in Seattle, February 23rd through 25th at Tiger Lily Yoga. And you can go to lastmasscenter.org homepage and link through for the registration there. So thank you, everyone. Here we go for a brand new year.
Have a good week.